0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazers Outsider Danny Morang. Danny, how you doing?
1: Uh, hi. Uh, how are we doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> you sound a little like not great. Are you okay?
1: Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm just I'm definitely not counting games remaining on the season. Not not at are all. Are you
0: are you down on the on the Blazers right now?
1: I'm well. Yes. No, I'm actually down on the floor, curled up in a ball in a fetal <laughs> position with the mic oh. curled up to my chest. I <laughs> mean, please God, I mean, make it stop.
0: <laughs> we love the Blazers, but there is a whole world out there as well wow. that you can go, you know, take by the horns and and live it, Dan. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I understand. It was a definitely a rough week for the Blazers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to say the least. I mean, we aren't going to sit here and berate the, the games and beat them to death. It's uh, they are what they are. They were at outmatched by the Celtics. They, I mean, inexcusably lost to the Hawks, and it's
0: you know, there's all. It feels like every year there's just an inexcusable loss to the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I mean, we'll talk about some, some, obviously, some highlights from the game, you know, uh, the Ariza Trey Young situation and, you know, a couple other things that kind of come out of that game and what we have to look forward to. But there's no reason to go, you know, possession by possession in, in those games. It's just not.
0: Yeah, no. And I've kind of just burned them out of my memory anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like I'm we're not I'm not looking back for the rest of the season. I'm just looking forward and we're just going to we're just going to get all through it. Um, although you brought up the Trevor Ariza and Trey Young interaction that started with Trey Young nutmegging Ariza and in the middle attempting, of it,
1: or, attempting well, to nutmeg.
0: I, I watched it a whole bunch of times and I think it actually did go through his legs, right? But then well, he got put the ball between his legs. Before you gotta get it on the was able stuff. to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> so where where do you where do you uh fall on this uh controversial topic? I don't know if it's controversial. Where do you fall ah. on this topic of nutmegging guys in the NBA?
1: Uh, it it's kind of like the, the old boxing adage when you step in the you know, in the ring, protect yourself at all times. And I think both guys kind of were. Trey was feeling himself, and some guys were yapping back and forth. And and Trey's one of those guys that uh, this is where I'm going to go a little against him here. He's a bit of a front runner, um, but I also, I what think do you mean per- by
0: he's a bit of a front
1: runner? If he things aren't going well for him, he's he's pretty down in the doldrums and and not he, he's not showing out. He, he's he's a little 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 pouty. Um, I still got to learn. I think the the ins and outs of when, where, who you can do that stuff to. Um, I like the energy. I like that. He attempted it. I like the audacity. I, I, I love all those things. One of those things I was talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago is uh, the idea of like, where are the, the guys that are willing to get a little risky to have a little bit of fun. The Jason Williams is the world, you know, the sub bonuses the behind the back i mean we got biggie out here doing it for you know keeping it alive throwing behind the back rap passes but um they're few and far between and so like i, I part of me wants kind of like all right trey i see you but also you don't do that to a 16 year nba vet mm-hmm. like that's you just don't do that
0: okay so here's the thing though why don't you? I mean, like, OK, it's, it's when I when I watch the game, I see God, I'm a soccer player first. So when I watch the game, I see guys with their legs wide open all the time. And I think, why doesn't anybody just dribble right through there? Because they're wide open. And if you're going to sit there and expose yourself like that and it's legal, why not do it?
1: Uh, I think it's, 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 again, like it's one of those kind of unwritten rules thing. And I know we get in these kind of arguments all the time when we talk about unwritten rules Uh in sports. But I think like throwing a pass through somebody's legs is seen as like, okay, I I see you. That was that was clean. I think purposefully trying to nutmeg somebody outside of an all star competition is, is seen as trying to show somebody up. Wait, what's the difference to-
0: between passing between somebody's legs and trying to nutmeg them?
1: Listen, I don't make the rules, here. I just <laughs> abide by them. It. It's the same thing, right? It's not, it's not the same thing. It's, oh, because it's, it's, you're it's
0: saying make a pass as opposed to you're dribbling and you go through somebody's legs while you're dribbling.
1: It's, it's like and one, just bad, disrespectful. Like, it's <laughs> like everything about it. it like, and again, it's, I think it's more about showing somebody up than making a a, a nice play or, you know, hadn a little f- flair to to what's going on. Uh whether you agree with that or not, I mean I'm sure that, that's certainly up for discussion. Um this is why I kind of find my feelings mixed. They're like um, as somebody's quite literally the same age as Trevor, um if some like 18-year-old tw- tried that on me on 24, I would literally do the exact same thing that he did and I was <laughs> just no, nope. Nope, that's not happening. Cuz I and mean, I think if you take that to like the professional level, Trevor's been in the league for 16 years. He's 35 years old. He's not dealing with that crap. He wants to go do that to Dame. He wants to try that with Dame or CJ. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Do it. So like how many years? years. It's about your contemporaries. It's the same kind of thing with like Donovan Mitchell going off about Gary Trent Jr. You don't punch down. (laughs) Like you don't punch down. Like that's, that's, that's the rule. Like if you want to be considered as, he was just, he he was just a starter in an all-star game you don't go after the 35 year old vet you mm. you think you're 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 that nice go try that crap on Kawhi. like you, you well, don't, go, Kauai don't probably wouldn't stand there with his legs wide open listen I, I, what i'm saying is you you don't go after the 35 year old 16 year vet like that's not the guy you do that to there, there, there's a as a there's a little bit of a respect your elders thing and that's where, like the the difference between Throwing a pass through somebody's leg and again, megging them and trying to dribble it through their legs. It's like, it's, there's levels to disrespect. And I think that's, that's one of those things where you're like, nah, man, that's, that's definitely not happening.
0: Well, as far as content goes, it, uh, it did continue to deliver for the rest of the night. Cause my favorite part was at the end of the game, the video that caught, uh, (laughs) Trevor Ariza like pulling, uh, Trey Young in for a hug. But it was like the most like, it was such a dramatic, like, violent hug. He and he stuck his it. nose right in his armpit. And he was just like, here
1: you go. We're friends. <laughs> that was a, don't ever let that crap happen again, Young Buck. I you hear me? <laughs> I got tons of love for you. But don't, don't do it to me or anybody like me. Like, yeah. I, I, I looked at Ariza and, like, right there in that moment, I thought about, what if he had tried to do that to Steven Jackson late in his career? What would have happened to him? Like that, like Trey Young would have been just dusted, just straight ethered right then and there. And I'm like, "Uh, I guess the NBA is a little bit, a little bit different now, I guess, in that regard. But yeah, there was that reaction and there was the Ariza had one with Vince Carter and it was much. You can see uh, uh, old man recognize old man like head (laughs) nod. Like back and forth, and I, I'm I'm nearly certain that was in recognition to like them throwing their heads back, you know, eyes back in their head, like kids, <laughs> right? I'm like, you yeah. know, yeah. I think that was there was a recognition of like, yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: So I, yeah, I I just want to clarify that I'm not saying that Ariza shouldn't have reacted. Ariza has every right to act however he wants. I'm just saying that if you're going to have your eyes, your legs wide open and somebody tries to dribble through them, you can't act very it, surprised
1: it, about it. That's kind of the whole, like, you know, protect yourselves at all times. Yeah. It's really yeah. like you got to. But also, but I'm not mad at it. It's throwing him into the first row. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not mad at him. I'm just briefly now that Ariza has been with the team for a good solid several weeks, and we've seen you know enough. I don't think you've really talked sort of overall what your impressions are. For uh, I mean it's hard to talk about like how he fits with this team right now, because this team is just like such a collection of whoever is healthy. Um, But just like, you know, in terms of like what you thought that he might be able to do as one of the elder statesmen in the league, um, how was he uh, fulfilling your expectations or not?
1: They've needed a jerk since nurk has been out and he's filling that role. Like literally he's getting teed up. He's getting in people's faces. He's yapping. He's barking. He's instigating. And you can see that give Portland a bit of an edge. I would say perhaps without Dame out on the floor the last couple of games, maybe they've had a little bit too much edge. Yeah. Uh, we can we can talk about that a bit later perhaps, but uh, he's had a couple big production nights, but outside of that, I think he's been like more of what we expected in that he's competent, and that's not a like. Everybody. Hey, that, we'll take competent. No, no, that's the thing. Like, like that word has such a negative connotation in professional sports. Like, the vast majority of guys in every professional league are not competent. Like competent everyday level players. Well. No, no, they are. If you look at the actual numbers behind it, the, there are guys out there that are across every sport that are specialists, and there's only certain things they do above. You know, the required competency level. I mean,
0: look, I just wouldn't tell particular. any professional athlete that he wasn't competent. Well, that would just ta- be a, no, a road I wouldn't want to tread on.
1: There's a level of competency, no matter where you are in the world. I don't care if you're learning your ABCs or a professional athlete, your competency of doing a particular thing matters. And when we're talking about a professional sport, it matters. The, 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 the easy way to look at it is, uh, any of the numbers and like the, the, the mark lines for a competent three point shooter in the NBA, it's 37%. You either get it or you don't. But you, mean, you have
0: to be 37% now to be competent.
1: I mean, that's that's your effective level. We we're like 35,
0: 36.
1: I would say competent is is 37 What for your baseline. Um, I'm
0: glad that I do not have to learn my ABCs around you because <laughs> yeah. I would never be, I probably not even competent at this point to be able to do my, ABCs but I mean,
1: you take, you take a look at the, the lines can move too. Like you look at baseball, how many 300 hitters are out there now versus guys who can hit home runs. It, it's being able to get on base versus generate runs is is a different thing now being a competent three point shooter 20 years ago, could have been a 33% three point shooter. Like that line can move. Um, but like, I think Trevor's a competent player. I don't think he has like a real hole in his game. And I don't think he has uh, anything he's offering Portland. That's out of this world, but he's the most competent forward they've had since. Batum. Mm-hmm. like you Mo and chief were siloed. Like we talked about this a million times, mm-hmm. And with that, Trevor can dribble a little bit. You can see little, little hints of Amino in his drives. There's a little bit of mm-hmm. chaos happening, but it's still tighter than, than Amino's. Um, he's a, uh, more in tune and consistent defender than Harkless. He's a better corner three point You like he, he steps into a three and I just like, okay, that's fine. Like th- there's very rarely a moment where he says, Yeah, like oh, here we go. Oh God. Oh God. Oh, you know it's with Trevor's. Like, there's a track record. Yeah, he's a consistent three point shooter. Um, he gets him out in transition. He can cover multiple positions. Like, he's not an all world defender, but he's again competent, or then and then some. And that looks strikingly different to what Portland has to offer right now, because you know they're they're just short on those kind of guys.
0: Okay. Trevor, Ariza, competent NBA player. I I will take that. Let's transition and start talking about defense. Um, offense doesn't seem to be the trouble with the Blazers right now. Defense seems to be where they are really struggling. And I I say this saying I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on how the starters are playing defense. That doesn't make any sense. These starters will not be the starters next season. It Can is what it is.
1: One of these guys is a starter next year.
0: Right. This is this is not the starting lineup from next year. That's the assumption that I am going on. This is basically not the starting line. So and frankly, when those guys go out, that's when I start paying attention because I'm watching the, the younger players right now. As far as the defense goes over the years, there's been a really typical pattern. Blazers are bad on defense. Blazers get slightly better on defense. Blazers get even better on defense. Suddenly, Blazers are good at defense. New uh, personnel, Blazers are bad on defense. Blazers get a little bit better on defense. And then it takes a few years of working together until they get to be a competent or better than competent defense. And now we were back at the beginning stages. Mm-hmm. What do you see in these younger players who, who may, you know, end up sticking around that they can build on so that they can get better at their defense. And so that next year when they are like the bench players, they can hold it down.
1: I mean, you look at guys like Gary, you look at Ant, you look at Winyan, you look at Nas, and you just you can see different platforms and, and how they can evolve. Gary's obviously becoming one of better sport, Portland's better defenders. Uh, on ball, shooting the gap. Getting out in transition and somehow turning into the best transition finisher they have, which is insane. I love uh, it. I'm,
0: okay, can I just say I love how he dribbles? What is it about the way he dribbles?
1: That, it's just how tight he keeps it to his body.
0: Yeah, it does, the ball you doesn't never get worry away. From that it's
1: him. no, it's like the, the it's like he's got like an actual string attached to his chest, and the ball can only go so far away from his chest. And it's just it, he doesn't yeah, get it's the, a like beautiful. He, he thing. doesn't like the difference between him and like Ant or CJ who let like leave the ball out way. They have that yeah. like long, high. so yeah, like Ant in particular, because he's got such long arms. If you watch him when he goes through the legs, like he has to like work it into his compact dribble and then explode out of it. Gary's like always in a compact dribble. It's just, he just keeps everything really tight to him. And so it, it kind of looks like this little you know he has a, a bit of a, a a pit bull kind of yeah. build to him when he dribbles even yeah. like it's it, it's definitely unique but it allows we're him we're supposed to be talking
0: forward. about defense sorry
1: yeah no it's fine um but gary i mean he's looking like he has the potential to Perhaps be a plus defender in the future. He still plays plenty of mistakes. He's still got to work on a few things, uh, screen navigation, anticipation, things like that. But that comes with time. Um, but he's already on a, a nice, a nice stable platform. Ant needs to learn how to navigate screens. Um, he's getting better at it, and I actually have a a pretty. A higher expectation, I think, of most people have of him or or any prospect who's, you know, more offensive oriented. And that's because of his physical profile, because he has such long arms, because he is so quick. I would like to see him be a guy that kind of gambles from time to time. Because he could be, should be, let's be honest, an explosive transition finisher. But By the way, I know we're talking about defense, but he damn near murdered an entire arena (laughs) with that dunk. attempt.
0: That missed dunk. I know that was such a bummer because that would have been amazing. (laughs)
1: Um, It looked like he was shot out of a cannon. That Mm -hmm. kid is, real quick, and for everybody else who didn't see this on Twitter, Ant does a dunk at the end of every pregame warm-up with uh, Moran tossing him a lob. Before they went on this road trip, he, he caught a lob and went 360 through the legs and he just threw it down right in front of me. And he made it look so easy. He just landed and just kind of gave me a head nod and walked away. And I was like, what the hell? There's uh. – but when you see stuff like that, a lot like when you see physical profiles from a guy like Zion, like you like you just want to see those kind of guys get – free in mm-hmm. or free chances in transition. So as far as defense, competent, games, yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I want to see him navigate screens better, have, uh, have his instincts, you know, heightened a little bit. And I want to see him maybe get out and gamble and get some easy opportunities. I think it's the kind of thing I could get him and a second unit going really well. Um, Wenyon in and how he fits right now, actually, Wenyon and this year, both kind of the same mold, they're both high energy guys. And I think that there's a place for both those guys on this roster going forward as switchable, long, strong, effective defenders on the perimeter, help side defenders, shot blockers, rebounders, hustlers like they. They both are kind of what you're looking for in modern defenders in the NBA, strong, good side to side mobility, multi positional, like both those guys can cover legitimately two through four. And Portland is just has not had those guys outside of, you know, Mo Chief Nick. Like they just, they haven't been there. Um, and so what are, oh, go ahead.
0: So, so what are those guys supposed to do next year alongside whoever's going to be playing center? Because of the way that the Blazers, you know, play their center is really specific. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I can see how individual, defense develops, but what I'm trying to figure out is how they're going to fit into the system and what that system is going to look like next year. Cause I don't even know what it looks like when um, the bench is in anymore. Cause I don't even know who's playing center when yeah. the bench is in anymore.
1: <laughs> I, think a, I think a lot of what, especially those two will end up doing will be guys who are tendency and scheme breakers. They get up when you know, a point guard like Trey young is starting to feel comfortable You put Nas on ball on him. And then you trap him with a guy like Wenyan with his exceptional length and, and quickness and size and you bother him. You, you you blitz screens, you blitz pick and rolls. You come up and you and you you switch early on DHOs so you can keep the ball on one side of the floor. You know, those are the kind of things that those guys can do because of their effectiveness and mobility. Like Zach's mobile for a guy his size, but he's still not in that upper echelon of guys at that kind of tweener four. Mm-hmm. like he can cover the bigger guys and step out with, you know, the longer guys. Um, and I think where he's better off is, is like on a guy like Giannis as opposed to Jason Tatum. Cause they both effectively play the four for long stretches and you can see those guys, you know, or guarding or see Zach guarding both those guys. And they're both very, 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 very different. Whereas somebody like Nas or, or Wenyan, I think could more effectively guard the smaller guy, which I think are the harder guys um, to cover for Portland. I'm not saying Giannis is easy to cover by any means. He's yes. the, most- <laughs> cover in the league. I'm just saying that Portland has not had a answer for even those, those wing prototypes who swing up to that position. And I think those guys are going to be the ones who allow a Nurkic to play closer to the rim and to be that center fielder because of their, their physicality, their strength, their, their agility and their ability to switch across the board.
0: Yeah, I was not quite sure if you were saying that you thought Wyndon Gabriel would be better at defending Giannis than Zach Collins or not. I was, I didn't think that's what you were saying. No, <laughs> no I was still saying Zach. Okay, that, I'm glad we clarified that. that. No, um, but no. one of the things that I am most disappointed about this season is I really did want to see how Zach Collins was going to de- be developed and how he was going to be used. Because, you know, I I, I was wondering if they were going to use – you know Nurkic and Collins. Eventually, the way that they use Dame and CJ, you know, where they uh, switch them in and out, and CJ plays like the backup point guard when Dame goes out. And I was wondering if they were gonna slide Zach Collins over to play the center when Nurk goes out. But we're never gonna know, or we we don't know. We have to just keep waiting. Yeah. I can't wait to see how that's all gonna work. But we actually have a question about Zach Collins. So we should we have
1: um, a lot of questions. So let's get to those.
0: Let's get to them. Okay. So first up from Berlicious M says, I want us to win as many games as possible and go to the playoffs. That said. If we do not, who are some players you see us drafting with a nine through twelve range lottery pick? Now, have you even had a chance to start? I'm sure you have. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Let uh, me just back that question up. Of course you have. You got a list of them under your pillow.
1: Yeah, let me pull my. I actually have my projector. My my draft projections.
0: We have a lot of questions, so we aren't going to go cheating.
1: Yeah, let me let me pull my spreadsheet up.
0: I guess who should we be watching? Is there are there people in the? Are some of them in? You know, going to be in March Madness? Um, yeah, honestly,
1: a lot watching? of them are. So. so that's cool. But what's funny is like the top five aren't. Uh, so that's. The are flip they? Yeah. Are they
0: like European?
1: Well, you've got Lamelo in. Oh right. Jenny, who are both overseas, Wiseman uh-huh. is. Isn't, Weisman isn't playing either so and then edwards is at georgia and a at auburn so you know <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's one of those things but um there this draft is going to be weird and before everybody i want to establish one thing real quick i when i talk about like lottery and and picks and value and all this. Just because the Blazers get a pick does not mean I'm sitting here campaigning for the Blazers to draft somebody and keep that player with that pick. Like the whole point of quote unquote tanking is asset collection. And for some people, that asset could be an actual player. For some GMs, that could be the mystery box. Do you take the boat or you take the mystery box? Depends on the GM. Some GMs just can't help themselves and they want to throw the dice in the mystery box. Some people want the, you know, the actual pick that, or the actual player. And, you know, that's how, you know, that asset collection comes along. So just because I say, I want the Blazers to tank, I hear that. Uh, well, what do they need? What do they need a 19 year old for? It's like, that's not necessarily the only option that we have at play here. That maybe there's a, another team that we you know values that and you, you attach it to something else and it has more value. Um, but to kind of get back at, like, some of the prospects that are out there, yeah. you know, Sarah, all those times where the last couple of years have been so many wings available that it's just like, <laughs> oh, wow, it would be great if Portland could just get down in the lottery again, as would be their luck. They get down in the lottery, and there's two wings in, like, the top 25. Mm-hmm. It is nothing but bigs and guards. The only real wings, quote-unquote, are, are Coro, Denny, and probably – if you want to put Obi in there, fine. Obi's kind of more of a 3 4 than anything else.
0: Okay. But what you- are their full names and where do they play? Because I don't know anything about the draft right now. I'm totally behind on that.
1: So you got Denny Adia, who's playing over in Israel. Okay. And, and Steve DeWall did a profile on him probably about a month and a half ago. Okay. Uh, um, then you've got Isaac Okoro. And what does he play? Auburn. know. he's a. These are the wings.
0: These are the wings. Okay.
1: Yeah, Isaac Okoro at Auburn. Uh, Obi Toppin at Dayton, who's a guy who I'm very high on, who might be in Portland's range, but I think he's going to go earlier than that. And then you get more at these hybrid five or four, uh, three fours that are up. If you want to compare them to somebody on the Blazers, it's like Nasir Little, and that's when you get uh, Precious Achua, who's at Memphis. Uh, Precious was at. Uh, hoop summit last year and while his shot still needs a ton of development he can take over a game with his athleticism he's got a little bit of that mamba mentality uh he very very aggressive and wants to dunk on an entire team regularly very 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 headstrong young man uh great kid too got to spend a couple days talking to him he's he's a good kid so uh, he and he's like a three of, uh, four yeah and he's probably gonna sp- Go anywhere from 12 to 16. So that could be a region Portland picks in. Um, Jaden McDaniels is, is, a, is listed as a four, but he's probably more of a four or five because he's 6'10 and doesn't have the lateral mobility. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where if Portland was going to change how they're going about things, or if they wanted to get, you know, somebody else, they would need to probably get in the top 10 or inside the top 10 to get a guy like Obi, who is one of the older guys in the draft, but he's also six, nine to 20. So he would give them a size profile that they really haven't been able to, you know, feature at any point in time mm-hmm. recently. Well,
0: and the boys are like guy, they've, they've had some real success, um, bringing small, in small school, older guys, older yeah. dudes. Yeah. I mean, he fits he's the kind of dip- guy.
1: Dayton's not exactly a basketball powerhouse. They're they're a good program, but uh, mm-hmm. you know their their ability to pluck guys from those situations and, and that really picking
0: says it, Neil Olshay.
1: It does, especially when you start talking about picking between you know six and ten, and Toppin's going to be probably right in that range. The Blazers have done pretty well in that range. Uh,
0: um, one thing I want to uh, say is that with Trevor Ariza having been on the team, I have been thinking about how he does. Really fit the kind of the needed skill set, like you've talked about before, not just being one-dimensional, but having a variety of things that he does. And it seems to me like if they could find somebody you like know him. like him younger that they can develop, that would be um, a really useful person on the team.
1: Yeah, I, th- here's the thing. I like Ariz. I think he's he's a solid player. He's he's done enough for Portland for to justify them bringing him back or bare minimum to keep him mm-hmm. as an asset, but he should not be Portland's opening day starter. Mm-hmm. And that's not even like if Hood's healthy kind of a deal like or not healthy. it's, it, he's not a starter in the league. And that's not it's not like throwing shade. at him. He's going to be 36. Like if you want to be a competent team and 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 be pushing towards, you know, a rebound year, he can't no. be your starting small forward. Well, and,
0: you know, the likelihood of a rookie coming in and immediately starting to play is not high. But if no. there was a year where they could have some degree of being able to switch in and out people who did like basically the same thing, but one is not as good at it and he needs to skill up so he can get as good at it. Like if they can have sort of that through line of, you know, basically the same consistent skill sets being utilized, they would just be switching in a part that maybe isn't quite as good yet, but you know, is going to get there.
1: And that's again, that's, that's, they kept the guy. Yeah. Right. Um, but there was another part of that question where, like, the whole idea of chasing playoffs, but maybe it's draft. It's going to have to happen here pretty soon, one way or the other, where Portland is just going to, like, you know what? We're just going to bite the bullet and we're just going to keep trying to get this playoff spot. Or well, they're going to have to flip the switch. I mean, they're running out of bodies. That's well, the yeah, same and- thing.
0: That the next question is really a comment from uh, B Max PDX, who says, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I don't think playoffs or lottery is even a feasible question right now. Yeah, it seems like we're getting real close to I mean, like because Damian Lord is on this team, even though he's injured right now and on the bench until it's mathematically impossible. We're never going to think that it's impossible, um, yeah, it's, it's but it's looking wish upon a, thing. a lot less likely especially yeah. with, you know, the Pelicans on the rise and the Grizzlies, you know, coming out and having a great game against Lakers the other night. It's just, it just seems real unlikely.
1: The Blazers. As we record right now here on Sunday night, the Blazers are in 12th, uh, only, only in the, the in the West, only the Suns, T wolves and warriors have more losses. Mm. And in the East, um, well, it's the East the wizards who are ninth and everybody down. So right now, if if things stopped right now, Portland would pick eleventh based on their positioning. But there's there's a real likelihood that they could get to tenth. Ninth is probably a little harder, but to be honest, actually they're only like two games off the off the Wizards right now. God. So yeah, they they could get to ninth. But yeah. they would basically need to shut some things down. And and, and shutting things down doesn't mean not playing Damian Lillard. If he's healthy, it means not playing him 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that gets a, if that, if that actually happens, but I think if there's a chance to improve your, your lottery odds and get a better asset and a season, that's going to be probably the most important season off season of Damian Lillard's career. Um, I think you do it. I, I think you try to find a way to do it and, the, and manage your asset collection best. You can.
0: I am just so worried about somebody else getting hurt, especially CJ, considering what a huge load that he is carrying right now. I was looking over the weekend for Mom's favorite. I was just looking at how much work he's doing to try to kind of put in context, you know, the load that he's carrying right now. And Mm. it's just like at the ends of these games, he just looks so beat down and not like... You know, not discouraged or bad, but it's just like, what else can he do? How many more Mm -hmm. times can you literally get kicked in the, you know what, (laughs) and keep getting up and keep on going? He's just, uh, and I'm just like, so uh, I'm worried that... Uh, because they're so thin and, you know, the guys who are healthy are carrying such a load that at some point there's going to be more injuries. So let's knock on wood that there's not going to be. Let's talk about one player who's going to be at some point, point coming back from injury and this is from Dwayne Peterson Mm -hmm. at Dwayne Peterson people have high hopes about Zach and his impact with this team should we all really expect him to be a savior of sorts even if it's next year he hadn't exactly shown himself to be consistent with play or fouls prior to this year are people building him up in their minds too much I think that's a great question. Probably yeah. we are because we're looking for anything that yeah, and we this, can be hopeful about right now. Like I
1: think it's probably a little bit more fair to say that of like Yusuf Nurkic. Not not that he's a savior quality. I think Dame's the only guy that really qualifies for that. But Nurk had or a what little step bit more down from savior is. <laughs> yeah, Nurk definitely is a guy who has lifted all boats. Like mm-hmm. that's he's done that before. We're just we're still waiting for Zach to get through a season of being a starter. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I have my my hopes for him, but I think my expectations or hopes or in hopes are still pretty far apart. Uh, as as they are, it as sounds
0: like you're feeling. Yeah, well, and it sounds like you're thinking that from what you've heard from fans that uh, there isn't as much pressure that that you're seeing on Collins as there is on Nurk right now. Yeah, and I Just think sort of the general feeling.
1: Yeah, which may be a good thing mm-hmm. for, for Zach. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, so everybody knows, Zach wants to get back unequivocally. Mm-hmm. He is clawing. I, I saw some people in some comments that I tried to uh, address this the other day. There's a difference between Zach saying he's coming back and the team saying he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Zach is going to want to come back. He, you should all see him before pregame. He's going after workouts like a mad dog. Like he, he, he hits them hard. You can see, you can just see him seething to get back on the court, which is awesome to see. You want, yeah. you just, you want to see a guy yeah. who's just, yeah. just chomping at the bit to get back out there. Um, but you can see there's still some things that aren't quite ready yet. Right. And because it's a shoulder, the blazers are going to take this incredibly yeah. carefully because if, if he comes back out there and he re injures it, then we're talking about changing his career trajectory because once those shoulders go, they just keep going and going and going and going. And uh, it's, it's not worth it to put him back out there. If he's not absolutely unequivocally 100% and there's no, no threat or issue of him, you know, re injuring that coming into next season.
0: It's, it's, it's totally clear that, how much he wants to come back. And and I have to say, I have admired and been impressed at how he engaged he's managed to be all year because I don't know how easy that is, especially if yeah. you don't know when you're coming back. But he's just been a solid guy. He's been a solid cheerleader on the bench. He's been just... I've I've just really come to appreciate that about him, about his just being a good teammate um, in term i mean, they're all good teammates, but, like, his willingness, even though he can't play, you know, to be out there, him and Nurk, you know, to be there, like, 110% for everybody on every possession, and it's just been— it was just a, uh, a, a, it's a very cool thing that I didn't, I hadn't seen before. Um, and But one thing that I, I, I think I can't remember if it was uh, in a Jason Quick story earlier this year. I'm sorry. I can't remember. But at some point, I think it was Rodney Hood talked about working out with Zach and saying that Zach was kind of a maniac. And I'm like, I need follow up. i want to know what working out is like with zach because apparently it's very intense and we have not yet had the follow-up to that yeah Um, i in the weight room he must be really going at it
1: yeah i mean he you can see him out there like he there he's he's dying to get back on the floor and he's he's still a kid so Mm -hmm. yeah this is this is all he knows Mm -hmm. and not being able like to you know to take that away from a young guy like that it's you know, for the first time in his career, he's you know had it taken away from him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I mean, wants...
0: he could be down and morose about it, but he seems. And there's
1: probably like moments he's... where those happen, yeah. and we just don't see him. But you, he, I can tell you this: the kid wants to get back out there, and that's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, next question is from Jeff Workman at JWKS, who says, personally, I wouldn't mind seeing Swanigan return. Do you see a scenario in which this happens?
1: <sighs> if I squint. If I squint, I see it. I think if if it comes down to it and the Blazers have to decide at the end of the roster between him and Wenyon, I think they look at Wenyon. I think he's more of your modern style player that especially that Portland's been missing. Uh I know him and KD look like they're built in the same lab with their legs. Um uh, but Wenyon's Wenyon's his motor set at a thousand at all times. Not that Biggie's not, mm-hmm. uh, but Wenyon can cover more ground, get to that first and second jump quicker. His defensive profile and who he can cover with his lateral quickness and just his agility in general. I mean, you, if you're comfortable with him, basically on one through four uh, on switches, like that.
0: Swanigan Big, does have that had nice ability to create here and there.
1: That's what I was just gonna say. the The difference where it comes, particularly down the offensive end, and that's where where Biggie comes in. Um, Biggie couldn't finish his first two years in the league. And that was his biggest problem. That was what basically led to him being expendable uh, when he got sent to Sacramento the first time. Um, was the inability to finish over really anybody? And over the last couple of weeks, not only is he fin- you know working as a playmaker. But his post footwork, his confidence is kind of returned. He's finishing at the rim. That little move he had the mm-hmm. other night in Atlanta was it against Collins. I think it, I think it was against Collins. He backed him down that little bit, got him to the, got him to lean inside, and hits him with the reverse spin back finish. Oh
0: yeah, it was really really clean.
1: His footwork is really tight. Every, the balance is good. Coordination was good. Got his shoulder into him and, and finished over. And that's kind of more of the biggie that we saw. In college, and we saw it again against Indiana. He had a good game against Indiana too. Mm -hmm. Was able to Mm with bang with Sabonis and Miles Turner and those guys. And uh, again, I if if I squint, I can see them looking at Caleb over Wenyon. But I think Wenyon's more of what the modern um, tweener big kind of guys is is what what teams are looking for. Mm -hmm. So, but I I wouldn't be against them bringing back Biggie. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So next up, Jenny at Berg Gina, B-E-R-G-J-E-N-A says, I kind of think the load management is answering itself. We don't have to load manage because players are already resting due to injuries. And I would pretty much agree with that.
1: I I do in a sense. And I think that most people would probably feel that's probably what kind of how things are working out. But I think more of what I'm looking at is when guys come back, when Dame comes Mm. back, If Ant misses any time when Ant comes back, Mm -hmm. you know, not that Ant needs to be load managed, just how do you – who do you give minutes to? How do you give them – you know, do you give a guy a night off? Do you – what do you do? How do you do it? And, you know, does it become a full commitment to it? Um, There's still plenty of people who are just like, no, keep – if Dame's healthy, play him every minute you can play him, and I'm just – I feel I, like I, CJ's
0: I, earned a little bit of uh, time off.
1: Yeah, again, like, <laughs> that guy's been working so hard. I just I I look at him and I'm like, uh, ah, maybe he can have a night off. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe and CJ the, could only play thirty minutes instead of. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, like, you look at the standings right now. As bad as the things have been for the Blazers, I think if like one thing goes sideways tonight or tomorrow, excuse me, before the Blazers play. Uh, I think if the Suns win, I think is what it is. Yeah, if the Suns win, the 9 through like 13 will be a game and a half apart. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, what, two games back, uh, or excuse me, three games back of the 8 seed. So it's still feasible, but seems like every night, it's just getting a little bit a little further bit farther away. away. Like, yeah. oh, we're starting to run out of games here, guys. So. <laughs> All right, yeah. we got
0: two... Oh. No, oh, no, you're fine. Okay, ready? So we got two questions coming up from where at where the hoop at, mm-hmm. J. Mari. Uh, first one is Terry Stott's untouchable currently. The concerning part of his coaching is when he drops the big the first few games against Steph Curry in the playoffs twice and James Harden. Adjustments don't come until desperation sets in.
1: Uh is Terry Stott's untouchable. I think There's probably only like three coaches, maybe four in the league who were untouchable. Uh Spo, Bud, Pop, Doc. Five Stevens. Doc. Yeah. Stevens and oh, then Brad Stevens. Uh-huh. Beyond that, Terry's like right there. And what makes him yeah. untouchable is, is Dame. Like I don't know if Neil is tied to him. I don't know if ownership is tied to him. Dame is certainly tied mm-hmm. to him, un- unabashedly. When you look at like Spo, the players are tied to him. The organization's tied to him. Pat Riley looks at him like a son. Like everything it, goes through him, yeah. And, and and Mickey Harrison is is with with Pat and Spo. So that's like a direct line. Same with with uh, Pop, and Bud is now the, the BFF of the best player in the NBA. So you, you can't touch him and doc's got rings and the respect of all his guys. And he's not going anywhere there. So, um, Terry's like, if he, he's not tier one, he's tier one, a he's, he's right. right.
0: Well, and what can they do when he doesn't have his players? Nothing. that,
1: that he's getting he's planned a plan. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like that's not just a, a, like a, you know, a, a feeling. That's that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's that people I've talked to locally, nationally. It's the same feeling. They, nobody looks at Stotts like be better. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, no. <laughs> he, he got dealt a really crappy hand, and there's just no, there's no managing a mass unit. It right. just doesn't happen. Okay. Like thing I think we forget is. This team wasn't set even when it was healthy coming into this year because the plan was always to move on from guys like Bazemore and Hassan. Mm-hmm. And because of all of the circumstances this year, we still don't really know what the roster composition is going to look like now next year. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, part two from Jay Mari at Where the Hoop At is if Stan Van Gundy said, Give me the Blazers, what are y'all doing? Okay, my answer for that. Is just because every just because weed is legal in Oregon doesn't mean that we're all gonna smoke it and say, "Come on, Stan Van Gundy." I just don't think it would be a good fit. I just, especially over Terry Stotts.
1: Listen, if you, if you if Stan wanted to work for Terry and particularly work on the defensive end and build a blanking wall, yeah, be my guest, baby. Yeah. I I am all for it, hundred percent. And honestly. Him being the brash zealot, you know, that's that's preaching, you know, basketball gospel while Terry's like, hey, man, you know, you just do what you do, you know, be a little McConaughey. Listen, he's not replacing Stotts. No, he's not replacing him. Honestly, I like, I would love, 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 love if SVG was on the bench with Stotts. Like, I think that would be a, a fantastic marriage. L- little yin to the yeah. yank.
0: I can, I, I can see that. I don't, okay, think I guess would I can
1: see do that, it, but I would, I would
0: very much, you know what? There. Maybe he'll be one of those guys. that's like, Hey, turns out Portland is cool. Mello said it, it was cool. cool. I thought I'd come try it too.
1: Also not being the head coach and dealing with all the crap. Uh, yeah. Is cool. Hey, look, I'm the assistant coach. I get none of the blame, you know? <laughs> so like that part of it could be kind of cool.
0: All right, well we'll see what happens. Okay, we got a couple more questions to get through. Brad Street Racing at Bob Bradstreet says Do you think the Blazers being so quite on a time quiet on a timeline with Nurk has anything to do with what happened between the Spurs and Kwai, meaning just let Nurk come back when he's feeling good and ready with no timeline so there's no bitterness between them.
1: OK, it's not a one for one here, but something I did want to bring up because that's something that people are tending to forget. Um, Nurk is managed by Clutch now. So that, that's a real thing, and they dictate terms. That's that's how it goes. Rich Paul and LeBron James have built an empire where they dictate terms to teams. Um, and that kind of happened for the first time when the Blazers, when news leaked that Nurk may or may not be, you know, gearing up towards a comeback then all of a sudden sources say that Nurk is not coming back until after the all-star break. Those sources were straight out of clutch. That's, that's his agent. That's their representation. That's where the sources came from. Um, And that's them basically saying, you can talk about him returning all you want, but he ain't returning until he's ready to go after the all-star break. Now, I don't think that's necessarily playing a part right now. It's just something to keep in the back of your head. When you look at this situation and particularly any situation that involves a clutch client, as of right now, I think they're downplaying this because the excitement that came around when Dame leaked that Nurk was in practice, and then he gets the calf injury. And now you had all this build up and no payoff. Now I think they're basically saying, No, we're just gonna go ahead and say not a damn word and do our usual stuff, which is very standard operating procedure for the Blazers. And then one day Nurk's just gonna appear on the active chart. I think that's how they're treating it like Instead of, you know, giving a timeline, giving this that way, if he does or doesn't meet something. I mean, the the Warriors said Steph was going to play today and Mm -hmm. he didn't make that day. And then you had all of the blown three one jokes, which Bravo, Twitter, Bravo.
0: I know that was really good. (laughs) That was those were really, really good. Okay, but I don't quite I don't quite get what you're not saying about clutch. I feel like there's like lines I should be reading in between, but I'm not getting them about him being a clutch sport person. Are you saying that they, will, they will be the ones who will be working?
1: Determ-
0: yeah. They're going to be the ones to determine when Nurk is getting back. So, like, the team might say, okay, we're waiting. You know, we think that he's ready when he says that he's ready, and then Nurk will work with his managers to decide
1: what ready looks like for him. I think they're always going to be there because they're, what they're doing, and in essence, it's, it's a fantastic thing. Is they are 100% unequivocally looking out for their clients' interests. That's mm-hmm. that's their job, yeah. not the team. They do not care about the team, nor should they. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's always going to be there at the forefront where a lot of times in the past, those things were handled very much behind the scenes. You know, that's 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 the good old boys club of like, hey, you know, you scratch my back. I scratch yours. Hey, he's not ready. He's not feeling ready. Um, what can we do to kind of maybe string this out for a few more days that you, you these are just the, the kind of. Not necessarily coded, but definitely uh, messages that are pushed out that are like, hey, it's cool you guys are talking about him uh, coming back, but he's not coming back until, you know, he says and we say he's ready to come back. So It's just them, the com- just them flexing their muscle.
0: Right. Well, and the comparison to the Kawhi example was that they, the team thought that that's he was ready kids. to go, and he did not feel like he was ready to go.
1: Him, uh, him and Uncle Dennis. And again, it's 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 different, but it's the same kind of relationship where it's like, no, we say we're ready when we say we're ready. Uh-huh. And, as to when the team says they're ready. And um, I don't and we think don't that's know with the Blazers yeah. at all. I think that's just the that was just clutch, kind of flexing a little bit of muscle. That's all, and Mm -hmm. even more than that, I think they're downplaying everything right now. So there are no baselines or or you know guidelines for when and where he's going to come back. It's when it's when he's ready. So
0: you kind of think both sides are being deliberately quiet because they don't want neither side wants to put out expectations that are not going to be fulfilled. There's nothing to gain. Yeah. There's nothing to gain here. Got it. Okay. Our last question of the night comes from Jasper at Nooch's Best. Uh, do you think if we lose Melo, Hassan, and Ariza next year, we'll still have a chance at contention? Also, if we were to have that happen, what would we do at small forward?
1: Uh, I think Melo's as good as gone anyways. And both Ariza and Whiteside, are. if they bring them back, they're, they're bench players. Um, I, there's just not a world that exists that I can see use of Nurkic coming off the bench and coming out for another pick. I just mm-hmm. yeah. very, very hard for me to even fathom that. Right. Um, I don't think that Ariza, if he comes back, is the answer as a starting small forward. You're still going to work in uh, Nurk and Collins, and I think that they need something more explosive at that position. Uh, and this is why I talk about this being the most. Probably important off season of, of Damian Lillard's career as far as roster formation goes, because they get something wrong here, they're they're pretty much stuck, and we kind of hit on that last week. But I, I, I mean, don't, they already
0: it, have coming back. They have Nurk, Collins, Hood, Dame, CJ.
1: They've got Simons and Trent, yeah, and still have a very 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 big hole. They hold, still
0: need a wing,
1: and that's the most prominent position in the NBA right now look at every top team in the league every single one of them save the Denver Nuggets who were the the kind of outlier here uh-huh. but they have the outlier big uh-huh. they, they have something that's different has a there's, there's a premier wing on every single one of these teams and until and Portland answers that question in a way that's more successful than Trevor Ariza I think that ceiling's pretty, pretty solid. They'll be a good team. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. When healthy, Mm -hmm. this is a 50-ish win team. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a good team. But it depends on what your level of competitive is. Like, if you're saying competitive is, like, being in the playoff hunt, yes. Unequivocally. Damien Lillard's.
0: Unequivocally. (laughs) That's going to be the title for this episode. Unequivocally. I can't even say that word. Unequivocally? Unequivocally. Unequivocally. Competent. Uh, this is an unequivocally competent episode.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of Like the floor with a healthy Damian Lillard and again competent players is probably like forty-five wins. He's just that <laughs> you start throwing in other guys and you get up to fifty, fifty one, fifty-two. Um but I don't so
0: losing those guys does I don't think it really harm, hurts.
1: Doesn't Lillard set him back. No, here's the thing like Portland only reason they signed Melo is because it was desperation. The only reason they traded for a reason was because of desperation the only because they, the only reason they moved for Whiteside was because of desperation mm-hmm. like none of those moves happened none of them none of those moves yeah. happened without injuries so yeah. I, it's hard for me to see them being a huge picture uh, as far as when they're like planning for the roster the roster building going forward
0: mm-hmm. well who whatever whatever ends up while we've been talking i've been sketching on my little pad and i wow. wrote down i wrote down outlet passes hard screens and dunks and then i drew a little heart around it oh perfect. that's what <laughs> that's what i would like to see uh the for blazers those, those are like little those are little holes that i see that would bring a lot of enjoyment for me and i think also would um add good elements to the game, but cause like when I like, cause I was going back and looking at like, well, if all those guys are gone and everybody else is healthy. Yeah. I don't feel like it loses anything, but there's still a gap and it's that wing that you've been talking about. So if either through the draft or through trade, they can find somebody who's really good at outlet passes, who sets hard screens and dunks and is also, you know, a wing who can shoot three and play defense. I think they should sign him.
1: Don't you? Yeah. That would be wonderful. I would very, very <laughs> much all for that. <laughs> from from so, your lips to god's ears that's from my mouth that's, that's, to
0: god's ears all right let's do it well dan we made it through all the questions okay we, let's wrap it up we managed here. to have uh we might not want to talk these about these
1: games i, I don't want to talk about these other games i don't want to do it
0: no <laughs> we're just we're taking it one game at a time and we're gonna just enjoy <laughs> oh, what there God. is to enjoy and not dwell on not dwell on things that there's we don't have any control over anymore.
1: Orlando game's right. coming up tonight. Is, uh...
0: Yeah, just don't don't even look. Just like wake up in the morning surprised at who
1: you get to watch. Oh, the hey, look, it's play. Orlando! Yay! All right. Yeah. I wonder let's... if CJ is going to talk to Fournier at all.
0: I'm going to um, Phoenix for the game, so I'm excited to go check out Talking Stick Arena. There you uh, go. Later, later this Wor- week.
1: Worst name arena in sports.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know, Smoothie King.
1: Hey, listen. Once you have a smoothie king, you'll understand. <laughs> okay, I've never. Oh yeah, well,
0: well. I'll, anyway, I'm excited to go down there and and, and check that out and see what happens. Yeah, like the expectations. It's not that like I have low expectations. I just have no expectations, and Lower so expectations. No, just so, no expectations.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great clip. Yeah,
0: we should wrap it up here. Yep. Uh, you can find my stuff at TCB Biggs on. Twitter. You can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast also at Hoops and Talks. You can find the Blazers Edge podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow Blazers Edge on Twitter at Blazers Edge. Dan, why don't
1: you go ahead and take us out of here? All right, folks. As always, you can find me on social media at Danny meringue on, on actually on Twitter, on IG, and everyone else at D as well as on NBC Sports Northwest, following every Blazers game with Joe Simons. Uh, we've got a couple things we have planned coming up for the final you know quarter of the season here, the the home finish um and then uh, you know whether the Blazers make the playoffs we might have some other things that's, that's still in the works because we have to plan for everything uh however not unlikely been numerically ruled out uh, however unlikely and uh then we'll kind of go from there but uh thanks to the ride so far this season uh the everything you know, all the feedback we've gotten all the questions all the comments and uh we actually should have an update here I know a lot of people have been asking about a online live kind of feed like we used to have a facebook live i think we're gonna have an answer for that kind of going forward so kind of looking forward to to unveiling that in the next couple weeks other than that for tara i'm danny we'll catch you guys all next week bye